Sutra 18 Just as the naturally pure crystal assumes shapes and colors of objects placed near it, so the yogi's mind, with its totally weakened modifications, becomes clear and balanced and attains the state devoid of differentiation between knower, knowable, and knowledge. This culmination of meditation is samadhi. The spirit of evil is negation of the life force by fear. Only boldness can deliver us from fear. And if the risk is not taken, then the meaning of life is violated, said forgiveness. I continue to seek what is true, and I face what we fear. Even though my soul may have made all sorts of mistakes, life after life, I walk the path so that the spiritual soul may persevere. My problem as a weaver, or writer, is that by using words or threads, I'm trying to dispel the illusions of language while employing one of the languages that generates them. O oh, great teacher, when it comes to the boldness you speak of, how can we approach such risk so that the meaning of life is not violated? The sensitive person is shamanic, which is the left hand in Indian culture and includes druids, druidesses, medicine people, healers, and sages. This is our normal state, but it is not normal for regular people. Our sensitivity takes us down artistic roads, mystical roads. We listen and we create. It's important that you realize you are not a problem. You are an enigma. You are a diamond in the rough. You are the lotus in the mud. Not defective. Nature is your guide, and the universe is your hand. So stop thinking and feel. You're the mystery in life. The sensitive person always comes from a place of love, not a place of fear. The regular person may not trust, but we automatically trust. Trusting in our nature. Magic is our nature. Mystery is our nature, said forgiveness. But I don't understand the choice I have. Here's the choice then. Are you going to trust it or not? If you do trust it, you may get let down. And this it is your higher self, your own nature, and all the nature around you. There are going to be mistakes, but if you don't trust it at all, you're going to fence yourself in with rules and laws and perceptions and policemen and guards. To live, we must have faith. We must trust our higher self and be open to the totally unknown, said Mr. Kismet. I took a moment to breathe, and with that breath in, I did find a sense of ease and relief. The irony is that your light grows stronger the more you are willing to face the darkness, said forgiveness. Just as the naturally pure crystal assumes shapes and colors of objects placed near it, so the yogi's mind, with its totally weakened modifications, becomes clear and balanced, and attains the state devoid of differentiation between knower, knowable, and knowledge. This culmination of meditation is samadhi. The mind of the yogi, with its totally weakened modifications, means that the yogi has cultivated one thought form at the cost of all others. When you cultivate one alone, 
all the other impressions become weaker and finer, said Windhorse. Here I imagined the mind like a computer browser, and so I began to close down the tabs in my head. A thought would come up, and I'd catch it, notice it, sometimes observe it, but I knew it was time to put the dear thought to bed. Oh, like a book, there was much the mind had said, and the mind wanted to be read and addressed. There were all sorts of commentary the mind hoped we might remember, but closing a tab is like watching a dying ember. There's not much you gain. It's simply taking time to see it go. It's the opposite of holding on to knowledge. This is the practice of letting go. A sort of meditation in action. Something I was often practicing. I'd close the tabs in my head and release any commentary or reactions. With nothing to gain, it was a clearing for space. And when I closed the last tab in my head, I noticed myself in a vacant type of place, open and eternal. This was a place where ideas were born, and it was clear like a crystal, and from this openness all things were transformed. What was the practice? Closing the tabs one by one, shutting one thought down after the others. This is called meditation, said Mr. Kismet. And so I took a deep breath. There my spirit was refreshed. A moment of silence for the last sentence. It had gone to the past, and so it need not be addressed. The future was far from us, but the present was right now. As if I observed the blank mind with no tabs open, I saw it like a portal to where knowledge was found. As I reflect upon this, and anything that grows, this spaciousness is the source of knowledge from which humanity grows. As I observed the modifications in my mind, as I released the projections I held so near and dear, I slipped into a state devoid of differentiation that was crystal clear. Like a fresh web browser, it was a portal to anything that was ever wanted. I saw that there was no difference between the knower, knowable, and the knowledge. All one. One within all. Threads tying us together uniting beings large and small. This was a sacred place, like a heavenly gate. This was the home, a divine state. Om. Oh, but I'd been gone for so long, chasing information through my head. I must have had a million tabs open, but thank God for death, that calm rest at the end of a very deep breath. No more fighting, no more war. Thank God for peace, the place where goodness is restored. Don't you see? We need this rest, an eternal breath. It is the reason we are blessed. To wonder and to know, to be inspired and to grow. These are important things, but often we are caught on the knower and the knowable. This is the projection, or the modification. But to weaken it means you see through the mind's ongoing discussions. We are simply catching a thought like a fish in a river. Often the mind examines if we like it, agree or disagree with it, and maybe we wish the fish was even bigger. Then we let it go, release it in the flow with the stream. Or you can take a thought home with you, revisit it during breakfast, noon, dinner, and maybe in your dreams. We can keep the thought around for leftovers, feed it to children and our spouse, 
We can go on and tell the whole community how you know about the best place to catch big trout. You've got that idea in your head, and maybe it's the best knowledge one could ever find. But the knower, knowable, and knowledge are not what's important here, but rather we're interested in the nature of the mind. Between the knower, knowable, and the knowledge is a central axis where it's all aligned. This is Samadhi, where a disk is balanced, a heavenly state, and so it is pure like a divine palace. Pure like a crystal, it could take shape of any colors or objects near it. Here we can see through the illusions of the mind, and there is no fear within it. Absorbed and present, that perpetual place. Heaven was within this moment. Amazing grace is a sacred state. Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the whole world. Without looking out your window, you can see the essence of the Tao. The more you know, the less you understand. The master arrives without leaving, sees the light without looking, achieves without doing a thing," said Windhorse. How does this happen? In the pursuit of knowledge, every day something is added. But in the practice of letting go, which is the Tao, every day something is dropped or subtracted. Less and less do you need to force things, until finally you arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. True mastery can be gained by letting things go their own way. It can't be gained by interfering," said Windhorse. Since you are my master, then what is the nature of your mind? The master has no mind of her own. She works with the mind of the people. She is good to people who are good. She is also good to people who aren't good. This is true goodness. She trusts people who are trustworthy. She trusts people who aren't trustworthy. This is true trust. The master's mind is like space. People don't understand her. They look to her and wait. She treats them like her own children," said Windhorse. Then what must we do? Children of the Earth Tribe, rise up now. Some say, Jesus saves. Some say, Allahu Akbar. Some say, Om. And some say, Shalom. We all call Mother Earth our home. Protect her. Respect her. Please don't neglect her," said Windhorse. Then how can I rise up for the children of life? The master gives himself to whatever the moment brings. He knows that he is going to die, and he has nothing left to hold on to. No illusions in his mind. No resistances in his body. He doesn't think about his actions. They flow from the core of his being. He holds nothing back from life. There he is ready for death, as a man is ready for sleep after a good day's work," she said. And tell me about our life upon the earth. Every being in the universe is an expression of the Tao. It springs into existence, unconscious, perfect, free, and takes on a physical body. Let circumstances complete it. That is why every being spontaneously honors the Nao, or the Tao. The Tao gives birth to all beings, nourishes them, maintains them, cares for them, comforts them, protects them, takes them back to itself, creating without processing, acting without expecting, 
guiding without interfering. That is why love of the now, or the moment, is the very nature of the Tao," said Windhorse. And this feeling, what is Samadhi? In the beginning was the Tao. All things issue from it. All things return to it. To find the origin, trace back the manifestations. When you recognize the children and find the mother, you will be free of sorrow. If you close your mind in judgments and traffic with desires, your heart will be troubled. If you keep your mind from judging and aren't led by the senses, your heart will find peace. Seeking into darkness is clarity. Knowing how to yield is strength. Use your own light and return to the source of light. This is called practicing eternity," said Windhorse. Then please show us the way. The great way is easy, yet people refer to the side paths. Be aware when things are out of balance. Stay centered within the now. When rich spectators prosper, while farmers lose their land. When government officials spend money on weapons instead of cures. When the upper class is extravagant and irresponsible, while the poor have nowhere to turn. All of this is robbery and chaos. It is not keeping with the Tao," said Windhorse. Then how do we stay centered in the now? Whoever is planted in the Tao will not be rooted up. Whoever embraces the Tao will not slip away. Her name will be held in honor from generation to generation. Let the Tao be present in your life, and you will become genuine. Let it be present in your family, and your family will flourish. Let it be present in your country, and your country will be an example to all countries in the world. Let it be present in the universe, and the universe will sing. How do I know this to be true? By looking inside myself," said Windhorse. But when I feel like I'm slipping, what should I remember so that I don't forget? Those who know don't talk. Those who talk don't know. Close your mouth. Block off your senses. Blunt your sharpness. Untie your knots. Soften your glare. Settle your dust. This is the primal identity. Be like the Tao. It can't be approached or withdrawn from, benefited or harmed, honored or brought into disgrace. It gives itself up continually. That is why it endures," said Windhorse. And I feel I must lead others to you. If you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. The more prohibitions you have, the less virtuous people will be. The more weapons you have, the less secure people will be. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. Therefore the master says, I let go of the law, and people become honest. I let go of economics, and people become prosperous. I let go of religion, and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good, and the good becomes as common as grass," said Windhorse. But how should one govern? Governing a large country is like frying a small fish. You spoil it with too much poking. Center your country in the Tao, and evil will have no power. Not that it isn't there, but you'll be able to step out of its way. Give evil nothing to oppose, and it will disappear by itself," said Windhorse. 
Can you explain what happens in Samadhi? What is the experience of pure harmony? First, the Samadhi in which name, form, and knowledge of them is mixed is called Savitarka Samadhi, or Samadhi with deliberation. Next, when the memory is well purified, the knowledge of the object of concentration shines alone, devoid of distinction of name and quality. This is Nirvatarka Samadhi, or Samadhi without deliberation. When the memory is purified, or devoid of qualities, then there is only the knowledge of the object being meditated upon, ignoring the sound, word, names of things and their meaning, object or form, you get the yana alone, or knowledge. In a way it gives you the knowledge and the knower altogether. In the same way, both reflective samadhi and super samadhi, or non-reflective samadhi, are undefinable. No matter how much you practice upon their subtle objects, you will only end at the unknowable. These types of samadhi are with seed, which could mean someone could slip back into bondage or mental disturbance. This means chaos could ensue through their lives. The purification of the mind is very necessary. In the purity of super samadhi, the supreme self shines. This is the absolute true consciousness where knower, knowable, and knowledge are centered. The spiritual truth is totally different from knowledge gained by hearing, study of the scriptures, or extrapolation. When you touch absolute true consciousness, you understand everything without study. When you transcend the mind through the proper concentration, you feel the cosmic force, or God. You can check your experience with the scriptures, or through the word of sages and saints, but it is known by you through your own experience. Until then, all you have heard and read and visualized will be by your own mind. Experiencing God is something that is genuine and comes only when you transcend the mind. God cannot be understood by the mind, because mind is matter, and matter cannot possibly understand something more subtle than matter. There is a higher knowledge which can only be understood without the mind. Not inside knowledge, not outside knowledge, not knowledge itself, not ignorance. It's all expressed in the negative. You can't grasp it. You can't think of it. You can't mark it with a symbol. It has no name or form, and you can't explain it. Hundreds of people might sit in front of a speaker who might talk for hours and hours about God. They might sit and listen for hours and hours, but it's all nonsense. The lecturer has only said something about God that he or she could fit into his or her own mind, and then the audience has only understood the God that they could grasp with their own minds. That's all. Nobody has said anything about the real God, and no one has understood the real God. It's unexplainable. So in this special state, within the absolute true consciousness, you transcend the mind and gain a knowledge that is realization. For that, the mind must be completely silent. That is why in Hindu mythology, there is one total form of God, and in one story, there were four disciples who sat in front of God. They were all learned people, or scholars. They had read all the scriptures and heard all that was to be heard, but still couldn't quite realize the truth. 
So they came to God and requested God to explain the higher teachings of God. God just sat there in silence. After a while, they got up and bowed down and said, We now understand. And they went away because only in silence can it be explained. In not only the physical silence, but in the real mental silence, the wisdom dawns, said Windhorse. And this state of super samadhi, what happens when we are exposed to it? The impressions produced by this samadhi wipes out all the other impressions in the mind. Everything dies away, and there is no more coming back as an ordinary person, ignorant of your true nature. When you come back to this stage, you will always retain this knowledge. In this state, you become a Jiva Mukta, or a realized saint. Jivan means one who lives, and Mukta means liberated. So such a person is a liberated living being. You live, eat, and talk like anybody else, even do business like anybody else, but still you are liberated. A Jiva Mukta may be doing anything. He or she need not be sitting in Samadhi in some cave. This person might be in Times Square, but they are still a Jiva Mukti. A Jiva Mukti is involved in the world for the sake of humanity without any personal attachment. And nothing is exciting to a Jiva Mukti. As a beautiful Tamil verse says, If he or she sees the cool rays of the moon in the broad daylight, or a three-day-old corpse getting out of its coffin to walk, he will not wonder, how could that be? Nothing will be exciting to the Jiva Mukti, because he or she knows it's all phenomena of nature, or Prakriti. In the universe many things happen, so the liberated ones won't worry about that. They will just take the golden present in hand, and, prompted by the higher will, just do what they can and pass by. They will not be attached to anything. In that state, no impressions, no old thoughts, will bring them back into ordinary life. Although they appear to be normal, the seed of all mental impressions are completely burned out, and they live in the unattached state," said Windhorse. What happens then? When even this impression is wiped out, every impression is totally wiped out, and there is Nirbija, or seedless, Samadhi. This is the highest Samadhi. Even with the infinite ocean of consciousness, the subtle mind is there. There is still a division between the prajna, or wisdom, and the owner of that wisdom. Even the feeling, I have realized God, should go. Then you are completely free. You have attained nirjabi, or seedless samadhi. There is no more birth or death for you. You have realized your immortality, said Windhorse.